Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this moment, as we are worshipping, let's just personally throw off those things that hinder us in our worship, hinder us in our walk with Jesus day by day. Let's confess the sins that so easily entangle us. That we might run unhindered. That as we run, we'll be transformed. It's the goal we're running toward, to be like Jesus, to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Just like those bags were so heavy for Renee to carry. Maybe it's time for just a, things to be dropped, thrown off. sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. But there are some things we know that tie us up again and again and again and we want to ask the Lord just to cut them off, please, by the power of your spirit. Give us the strength to not fall for the same things again and again and again. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you came to save. And we trust our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Thanks to Henry and the uh, worship band for leading us this morning. In our morning services over these past months, we've been looking at our vision to be a church that owns the vision that God has given us and to not just sort of say a lip service to it, but to say, yeah, not only as a church, but I own it personally. I want to be someone who proclaims Jesus to people today, live out my life that people might know who Jesus is, that he lives in me. 
Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking we have to persuade people of the truth. We have to persuade people of the theology of it all. Or maybe we need just to relax with that and just think of it that we're just introducing people to someone we have met who has changed our lives. He is the one who searches the hearts of people. And we have a story to tell. Every one of us, if we know Jesus, we have a story to tell. We want to be disciples of Jesus who make other disciples. And uh, we've kind of stayed in this one area, touching on other parts of the vision, reaching the nations, of course, and praying for revival, which is what we do regularly, but making disciples. And I want to just focus on those verses that we've had kind of going throughout our service um, right at the beginning from Hebrews chapter 12. I just read it a few moments ago. And I want to talk a little bit about perseverance. I remember when I became a Christian, I was 19 years old, and uh, those who knew me, those of my friends who had watched me sort of grow up as a teenager, uh, just thought it was a fad, a phase that I was going through. Uh, Phil's got religion, and uh, it would soon be over, and I would go on to something else. And why wouldn't have they have thought that if they'd walked with me through my teenage years? Because just the history of my bedroom wall would have told people that I had different passions at different times in my teenage years. From the day that I read Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, it was the only book I ever read under the covers with a torch, because I couldn't put it down. And then posters appeared on my wall of Gandalf and Frodo. And then I moved on from that, and I was just into sport was everything, and football was everything. And so my wall was plastered with football players. And I would collect them from magazines and pin them up. And then I got into music. It was the late 70s. And I went through a minor punk phase with coloring my hair, and it would change week, well, not week by week, but quite regularly. And in those days, we didn't have hair gel and mousse, so we used soap. <laughs> Remember those days? Some of you, maybe not. <laughs> Funny clothes we used to wear. And pictures of Blondie and then Elvis Costello on my wall. And, and then I met Jesus at 19. And he changed everything. And not that it's a big secret, 27 years on, I'm still following Jesus. Not a fad, not a phase, this is for life. He is worth living for, he is worth dying for, I want to give everything for him. I'm living for the day when he will say, Phil, welcome home. Living for the day when I will see him face to face with these eyes. And he will give me a new body. That's our destiny as Christians. If we have hope in Jesus just for this life, Paul says we're to be pitied more than anyone. But our hope goes beyond life, goes through death to eternal life. I remember the prayer I prayed when I eventually 
submitted my life to Jesus because I did struggle with it. But I remember praying, kneeling by my bed, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will go wherever you want me to go. Please come into my life. And I became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Eugene Peterson's book, if you have not read it, I recommend it to you. And I, just, I was always captivated by his title, Summing Up Discipleship, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Not a phase, not a fad, a long obedience in the same direction. One of the qualities of discipleship is perseverance. Keeping going. It's a characteristic of God's people, you and me. We are still here, folks. The enemy has not derailed us. The circumstances of life have not blown us off course. We are still here worshipping Jesus, saying, He is my everything, my all in all. And the church of Jesus Christ is still advancing. It is bigger today than it has ever been. There are more people becoming Christians today than have ever become Christians. The church of Jesus Christ is exploding with growth, apart from Western Europe, where it still is shrinking. See, the world and the enemy have not won. No matter how things might seem at certain times, in fact, the enemy is on the run, and his days are numbered. And that's why he's causing so much mayhem and havoc on his way out. Because he knows he's on his way out. And his big plan is this. To take as many with him as he can. That is Satan's plan. To take as many with him as he can. And he's tried everything to stop the kingdom. He's waged war upon the people of God from the very beginning of the church. If you read through Acts sought to destroy the church of Jesus Christ through persecution and torture. He's still trying that one in so many parts of the world. Even this week, reading of a, a couple who just got married. They'd only been married a few weeks. And he was a pastor. And a gang got hold of him, covered him in petrol, set him on fire. He burnt to death in front of his bride, three weeks. And every day, our brothers and sisters are facing that kind of challenge, yet they persevere. They don't give up. It's amazing, isn't it? He's tried ridicule, dismissal. I guess he's trying that in our culture. You can't take the church seriously. So out of touch, so relevant. And if that doesn't work, he'll try division and disunity from within. One of his favorite strategies. Get the church to turn in on itself, disagree with itself, take its eyes off Jesus, eyes off the vision, eyes off the mission. But the people of God, the people of faith, endure, persevere, keep on. And Satan always overreaches himself. And the writer to the Hebrews 
in this passage that we had read to us, exhorts the believers to keep on keeping on, to persevere, not to give up. Don't give in. Keep on. Why is he writing that? Because some of them are thinking of giving up. It's too hard. He begins the chapter with this wonderful word, therefore, which you know means you have to look back. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you look back. And you ask, what's it there for? It's there because of what has just been said. And just before, chapter 11, he has the writer talks about this amazing litany of people who live by faith. That description of faith that he says, we're sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. And he could go on. A litany of people who live by faith. Men and women who centered their lives on trusting God. And following him through thick and thin. And they lived with an uncommon steadiness of purpose. And none of them were perfect. None of them lived without sin. They were human beings. They all made mistakes, but they kept on. And even if some of them didn't see the fulfillment of all they believed for and all that they'd been promised in God, they kept on. And some endured terrible suffering. Sawn in two, set upon by wild animals. Because they had found in Jesus someone worth living for and worth dying for. What would you swap Jesus for? What would you swap Jesus for? A cushy life? All the things in the world that you could ever want? All the wealth, all the things, would you swap him for that? Would you swap him for safety and peace? No, says the writer. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those who have gone before us, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And we can add to those witnesses the saints from the New Testament, the saints that we have walked with in our lives who have gone before us, who are in that great cloud of witnesses as well. It's that wonderful picture that we can imagine so clearly now with the Olympics on, that great crowd of witnesses cheering the runners on. Don't give up. Yes, there is evil in this world and bad things happen to good people and we don't understand everything. But don't give up. How are we to persevere? Just grit your teeth. Keep going. Writer tells us how we're to persevere. You fix your eyes on Jesus. That's how you persevere. 
You consider him. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12. You fix your eyes on Jesus. We look to Jesus always. Jesus who was there from the very beginning, pre-history, everything. He was there and made it all with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. But we look to Jesus who humbled himself, who stepped out of heaven. We understand him more in his humanity. And we know him by name. He's Jesus. And when we consider him and when we fix our eyes on him, we remember that his public ministry began with 40 days in the wilderness. Nothing to eat or drink, temptation in the desert. When the enemy comes. And it concludes with that never to be forgotten night of testing and trial in the garden of Gethsemane. Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Has anyone ever experienced such a relentless and merciless pounding from without and within? You see, the temptations, the cunning attempts of the enemy to get Jesus off track. Because the enemy sees Jesus and he sees he's just a man. Yes, he's God. And Satan knows that he's God. But Jesus has come as a man. And Satan thinks, I've never had trouble with men before. I know how to trip them up. Men and women, easy. Jesus, God, has come as a man. It's on. If you are the son of man, Go on, just perform a miracle. I know you're hungry. Turn those stones to bread, feed. Jesus says no. And he responds as a man. He's not responding in his divinity. He, he defeats the enemy as a man. For us. You live by the word of God. Oh, go on then, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, go and show off. Go to the top of the temple, throw yourself off, because the Bible says, you're the enemy, the audacity, he even says the Bible says that the angels will catch you. Jesus says, you don't put God to the test. Okay. See all the kingdoms... The world, says the enemy. All the kingdoms of the world. Just, you don't have to go through the cross. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you them all. We'll share them. No, says Jesus. You only worship God. Him alone. No one else. Nothing else. And when all the temptations failed... You have the brutal assault when Jesus' body was turned into a torture chamber. The end of his ministry. And then, even then, from the cross, incomprehensible kindness, he is crucified and he says, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
unprecedented peace. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus, through it all, kept his eyes on the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? The joy was completing his Father's will. That he had finished what he had been sent to do. That's why he cries. It is finished. And then, that glorious Easter morning, the resurrection. Death defeated. Sin satisfied through his sacrifice and Satan vanquished. And only one more date in the diary, his return. And only the Father knows the date. The writer to the Hebrews says, if you want to follow Jesus, you must persevere. It's never going to be an easy road. No one just sails through it. It is a battlefield. But consider the great cloud of witnesses down through 2,000 years. Paul himself, one of those witnesses, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, yet he can say at the end of his life, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Heroes of faith, cheering us on. Perseverance is not a passive resignation. It is that active, pressing on, pressing in for more of God. Why do we keep praying for revival? 16 years we've been praying for revival, and more before that I came. Praying for revival in this church. Do we get to a point? When do we say, let's stop? When do we say, we've had enough? It's not going to happen. Let's give up. We don't. Because we persevere. And even if we do not see it, we persevere. as the writer to the Hebrews says, some of those with those promises never saw, but they lived for it. They never saw it, but they still lived for it. And that's the call on us. These aren't just pretty words that we say. This is our vision. This is what we share. We pray for revival. And whether it's the generations to come after us that will tell the story, do you know what happened in Chipping Camden? And those people in the early, you know, whatever, 2012s and beyond. They prayed. As we look back and give thanks to God for those who prayed before us, we persevere to see a move of God's Holy Spirit. Because the times are desperate. Throw off everything that hinders, slows you down. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, self-pity, anger, hurt, whatever it is. And the sin that so easily entangles you. 
This is one of the great inspirational passages of the New Testament. Carry it with you this week. In your heart, in your mind. Meditate upon it. In it we see a great summary of the Christian life. In Christian life we have a goal to be like Jesus. We're going to be with him. And we can ask ourselves every day, every week, am I further on? How am I doing? We have an inspiration, all those who have gone before us. Yes, we have a handicap because there is a spiritual battle and our sin and our flesh try to sometimes trip us up. The enemy comes. But we have a means by faith. We live by faith. We have an example. Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. We have a helper, the Holy Spirit. I was trying to find that story and I, I forget his name, but I, it's Redmond. Chris will help me out. And he was running in the Olympics and he got injured. And his dad came out of the stands, Derek Redmond. And his dad came down onto the track. I don't know if that's allowed. And he helped him finish the race. Because he didn't want to see his son just pull up halfway. We have a helper, the Holy Spirit. We're not on our own who will help us run this race, fixing our eyes on Jesus. One last story. You knew today was all going to be about Olympics, didn't you? What are the preachers going to preach about today? The Olympics, 1924, you'll know who this story's about. Paris. Chariots of fire. 22-year-old flying Scotman, Scotsman, Eric Liddell. He was going to run the 100 meters. He had a great chance of winning. There was controversy because he was a devout Christian, held to his conviction that he would not run on a Sunday. He'd informed the Olympic, the GB Olympic Committee, well in advance. Sure enough, the 100 meters heats were going to be held on a Sunday. He refused to run. There was enormous pressure put on him to run. But he refused. And instead, when Harold Abrahams was running in the 100 meter heats, he was preaching in a church of Scotland in Paris. Harold Abrahams went on to win the gold in a world record time, which stood until 1980. Isn't that amazing? You didn't know that. 56 years. Both men qualified for the 200 meter final. That's not shown in the film. Little one bronze. And then Little, who was a 100 meter sprinter, was entered for the 400 meters. And he won gold in a new world record of 47.6 seconds. And now you can imagine it. You can sing the music. Thank you. And he ran the race. And he ran his Christian race. Went on to be a missionary in China, died in a Chinese prison. And he saw his Christian life clearly as a race running for the glory of God, 
with his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter, the starter and finisher of the race. He persevered till the end. And the call on us from this passage, from the pages of Scripture, from the saints who have gone before us, is to keep on persevering. Don't give up. Why would you give up? Would you give up Jesus for anything? Why would you give up? Keep on running. Finish the race so that we can say with Paul, I have run the race. I've finished. Let's pray together. Just a moment to do some personal business with God. Have you felt like giving up? Have you taken your eyes off Jesus? Have you fallen? Or today... It's time to set that right. To determine not to give up. To determine to run the race marked out for us. To get picked up if we've fallen. To fix our eyes on Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, interceding for us. Whatever part of that race we're on, Lord, help us to run and run for you. For your glory. That others may know there is someone worth living for. We're going to remain just in a time of quiet as the band leaders in just a couple of reflective songs. We're just going to stay seated. You might want to sing the songs. You might want to pray. You might want to just be still as we respond this morning to fix our eyes on Jesus.
Lord, we want to pray for those that we know who have taken their eyes off you. Whether they're members of our family or our friends, people we used to share fellowship with. And we just simply pray, Lord, as we fix our eyes on you, we pray that you will encounter those who have drifted away from you. That they may be brought back. And they may run the race that you marked out for them. Pray for those who have fallen and feel that they can't get back because how could you forgive them? We pray that you'll come alongside and assure them that's why you came. To forgive, to set free. And we engage, Lord, in this spiritual battle that we're in, often unseen, often so subtle. We say, we will make a stand for you, Lord. The battles of life, all that the enemy may throw at the church, we pray that the church will stand with a clear voice, pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Savior of the world. And we pray for revival in this nation because we know that there is a lost people going to an eternity without you. So we pray, revive your church again. In these islands, revive your church. Pour out your spirit again. As you have done in the past, do so again, We deserve your wrath, but Lord, remember mercy. We've drifted so far away from you as a country, as a nation. We pray, turn us back. Raise up the prophets in the nation. We won't be a generation that just sees a decline just put the deck chairs differently on the Titanic but we will see a move of your spirit it's what we long for what we pray for we're living for you Lord God the lost may be saved so it begins with us as we get right with you but it overflows because you've called us to be your rescue team in this world use us this week we pray bring people across our path that we can share the hope that we have the reason we believe and the one that we have met who has made all the difference. Lord, we worship you. Let's stand as we sing our final song.